to this new podcast. It's called Comics Deserve okay. Better. And basically the, the basically the main point of the show is we're gonna be covering non-big two, non-Marvel DC, and non-licensed comics. So comics that are owned by their creator based on original ideas. Um, this could range from things like small web comics to um, big hits. Uh, we haven't really decided if we're going to cover things like, like uh, Dogman, for example. But basically, the the mission of the show <laughs> is to kind of shine a spotlight on comics that might not be as appreciated as much as mainstream comics. Um, while also, um, and also occasionally we will cover you know stuff that's in more in the mainstream that you know might have been made into a a Netflix show or Netflix movie. But uh, yeah. So probably basically everything from from image to webtoons. I'm 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 just gonna say that. Uh, Everybody likes kinda, webtoons. Webtoons are popular nowadays. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. That's I think that's where like a lot of the new new advances in comics are being made. So yeah, and then we're also gonna cover things like uh, manga, European comics. Um, I don't know comics from around the world. So yeah. So it's kind of it's a huge umbrella. There's lots of room for all kinds of tastes, and I think that we all have really different tastes. So. I think it should be fun. And oh. now I would like to introduce our hosts. So first we have Brian. Hi, Brian. Hello. Hi. Welcome, everyone. Uh, hello, fellow comic conspirators. Hope <laughs> you guys are doing well. Um, so I know I got to talk about uh, what uh, originally got me into into comics. Well, um, it was you know surprisingly a cartoon you know i actually was um about 11 maybe yeah about 11 years old uh when batman the animated series first debuted and um that kind of just changed my world essentially just the the storytelling the art the just you know er everything about it just really appealed to me because before that i mean some of the best cartoons were Hanna-Barbera cartoons and that was, you know, not good quality at all. So, and then next was the X-Men cartoon, which yeah, a little bit less quality than the Batman cartoon, but all that melodrama and, and all, all just, just the overacting and everything. And then, <laughs> then, then finding out from my friend who was reading X-Men at the time that that's how Chris Claremont writes. And that's exactly the way the comics are. It's like, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm in like, you know, I, I, I love the fact that there's a character whose son is 30 years older than the, the character themselves. And I'm all, I'm game. This is it, you know? So, um, and then from, from there, um, I think I went through a, I'm too cool for comics phase through high school. And once I hit college, um, I actually started buying weekly. And um, what kind of drew me to independent comics was um, I had realized a, a few, just about a few years ago that I wasn't buying books because of the content. I was buying books because of who the character was. I was reading every Batman book I was reading, you know, like, you know, all the characters that I knew and recognized no matter the quality. And it was kind of disappointing because, you know, obviously not every one of those books is great. And so it just kind of, I kind of forced myself to kind of take a, a plunge into stuff that is more unknown to me at the time and and risk it essentially and 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 pick up books that that i didn't know the characters and 
I had heard from maybe a couple people that are good and it turns out that's where the good storytelling was, you know, most of the time was was these these um, independent books, you know, like it's coming out from like Image or Dark Horse or, you know, um, and other, other publishers. So that actually um, is one of the reasons why I'm glad to be doing this is because finding those books is, is a hard part. And it's definitely, you know, with three or four dollars an issue, it's it's definitely hard to look for the right book for you. So maybe listening to us and hearing our opinions, you might be able to find a book without exploring too much. Yeah. Do you, do you remember? Do you remember any of the, the first independent books you read? Um... I uh, my, my funny enough, my first independent books. Um, that I read, I considered them independent. In my head were Vertigo books. Um, I know that it's a DC company, but in my head, it was because it wasn't superhero. It was it was independent. But the actual true independent books that I started reading would actually I got really to Oni Press as a as a um as, you know as a young reader. Well, not young. I was twenty, but <laughs> I was it was um. You know, books. Um, actually, was really into like Blue Monday and like Savage. Um, uh, oh, the um, the Hope punk of Savages. Rock. Hope of Savages. Thank oh you very fuck, much. dude, that is such yeah. a good book. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. Ooh, and so I was. Episode ideas. <laughs> yes, exactly. I I was um, I I was a kind of a, a punk kid slash mod, nice. and so that that was the appeal. You know, like I saw the REF symbol on a on a comic book and i had to pick it up you know or you know i saw a reference to the jam or the who and i was like oh yeah this is my book (laughs) this is is my jam the jam so (laughs) that's awesome yeah like the whole i love the connection between comics and music and um there's a lot of great books and yeah the ones the two you mentioned like I, i don't know i wasn't i was pretty young when they came out but like um and you're so like seeing guys yeah seeing guys like Seeing guys like like Brian like like seeing Brian Lee O'Malley's first work, Sophie Campbell's first work, yeah, in the in Hopeless Savages, it's like, damn, like there's so many good artists in this. I think that's I think that's why I picked it. It was a con like a long time ago. I'm like that's why I picked. I'd never heard of the series, and I picked it up. I'm like, damn, this is like, and it has like the black and white art too, and you can really just, see the line work. This is great, and the fact also, and I found out later that Jen Van Meter is actually married to Greg Rucka, who also became one of my favorite comic book writers of all time. So I'm all, I'm all about the power couples of Hell comics. Yeah, yeah <laughs> so. another another Portland power couple. I mean. Yep, definitely. <laughs> all right. Um, so then, uh, oh, and then just one quick kind of thing. What are, what are a few of your sort of favorite all-time indie comics off the top of your head? Doesn't have to be a, you know, top oh. 10 precise list. Oh, no, no, no problem. Um, well, the, you know, I, this is a, a, a very basic answer, but it's kind of hard to beat Saga. I mean, it's still going on and I'm, you know, it's Brian K. Vaughn, so I'm sure it, it'll stick the landing, but it's, it, it's kind of an everything comic to me where it's the art, the storytelling, the characters, you know, a little bit of comedy here and there. And I can't not love Goose, you know, like <laughs> that is, Goose and Isabel are absolute loves of mine. And so definitely, you know, I, I'm, I'm really into 
characters and character arcs and and you know in sometimes even the lack of a character arc is good <laughs> it just depends on what the character's purpose is but um definitely i'm i don't know i'm ranting here but yeah definitely like saga um is a is a huge one for me um quite recently um the um what I, i've actually been getting i've never been a horror fan in my life and in the last couple of years, I've been really, really into comic book horror. And uh, one of my favorites is uh, The Savage Shores, which I'm sure that we might be talking about in the future episode. Um, it's, um, by, it's from Vault. It's uh, Ram V. It's basically the story of uh, the colonization of India during the 19th century. And but with vampires and werewolves and monsters as well, so it's it's a it's a very it's 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 a gothic horror book, but not in a gothic setting. It's it's in the middle of the jungle, and and really you also find that that the real monsters are obviously the the, the colonizers, not the the vampires or the <laughs> the werewolves, and so there's actually a a good solid message there besides it being a, a nice horror book. Yeah, we should definitely discuss that book in a later episode for sure. Um, okay, so our next host is Darcy. Hi, Darcy. Hello. Yeah. Um, I got into uh, comics when I was about five years old. Um, so- my cousin introduced me about the same thing. I'm close to the same age as Brian is, so it's not shocking that it was uh, <laughs> X-Men comics. That's what everyone got into in the early 90s was X-Men comics, pretty much. Um, he, my cousin's crazy about X-Men comics, just absolutely absurdly crazy about X-Men comics at the time, so it was pretty much the only thing he read so for a while it was the only thing I read but considering indie comics I suppose technically (laughs) um I also read Archie because you go to the grocery store and what do you do at the grocery store what's there as you're checking out uh Betty and Veronica digests and those are adorable and the art's adorable and it's two girls and I loved it. It's fantastic. Yes, it's just cut up reprints from Archie books technically, but they're fantastic and they're funny and I loved them. And so that's pretty much how I started with comics. I also did, (laughs) it's weird and it makes no sense, but my local library had Batman books that were old so I read a lot of Batman books that were older so like a lot of people my age their Robin is Tim Drake my Robin is Jason Todd because (laughs) I read older Batman books Um, and then going on from there I just kind of continued to read books my cousin had um, because I didn't buy comics very much for myself And then Betty and Veronica books because they were adorable. And my local comic book store is super far away. So it wasn't until I was a teenager until I started like reading more comics for myself. And comic book stores are scary places. And I decided I hated American comics because American comic readers are awful people. And I switched (laughs) to Japanese comics. And for a long time through my early teens through my early 20s I read 
primarily Japanese comics, with the exception of Electra, Witchblade, <laughs> I don't know why, um, and Fable. Oh, Fable's great. Yeah. Oh. I, I don't know why those three made it through the American comic book bubble. I really can't say Electra is such a weird comic during that period of time. <laughs> so Witchblade is such a weird comic during that period of time. Um, but Fable is absolutely incredible, and it's definitely worth a read. There's, you know, some sociopolitical issues that are definitely worth talking about. But the comic itself strictly on its own merit is gorgeous and interesting and at the time I just adored the hell out of it so it got through and while I was primarily reading Japanese books which are incredible and I love manga still today that was pretty much my main American comic book for a long time until about 2000 and whew, 2008 Eight, I think I got back into American comics through um, Marvel and I can't remember what the first indie book was I mean kind of fables fables counts I mean that's creator well, own no, vertigo. yeah once I got back in to oh, oh, like really yeah. back sunk into comics I can't remember yeah. what my first indie book was I just kind of got back into comics in general yeah. and indie books came with that I suppose right eh, it's okay um what are what are some what are some of your favorites um off the top of your head my favorites well I'll do one of them today we're going to talk about one of them today certainly but um my favorites overall probably uh, I honestly don't know if it's called department h or depth oh kind yes of the same way um, by Matt Kent and um, Charlene Kent. Um, fantastic. I think everyone should read it. The art's incredible. It's gorgeous. It's all ocean stuff. It's, I don't think it's classified as a horror, but the idea of being underwater while your underwater sea station is filling up with water and everybody's going to sink and die is pretty freaking horrifying. So I kind of love it. It's so scary. But not technically a horror, I don't think, but it's terrifying and absolutely gorgeous. I'm super in love with uh, The Cloud and uh, what is the follow-up to The Cloud? I can't remember, but The Cloud is uh, just this single graphic novel. It's amazing. Watercolors, definitely worth a read. Um, there's a, there's a couple of issues called uh, Sefrajitsu, which is a, it's kind of based on a real world story about suffragettes during uh, the London, specifically in London period of history where a lot of suffragettes learned jujitsu mm. to fight back. And it's a really great comic, uses a lot of real history. Yeah, history, history comics are awesome. And I mean, I think, I think it'll be something we'll cover um, going forward. Oh, definitely. And yeah. 
Oh, and Department H is on my short list. It's on such a short list for me to read. So thank you for reminding me. Oh, if you've not read it, it is so incredible. It's just absolutely gorgeous. It's for me, it's like one of the top most gorgeous books. I love it so much. Sweet. Does, uh, does Matt can't do the, uh, do the, the art as well as the writing on that one? Uh, Yes. Yes, definitely. Awesome. I think Charlene colors. He does the cool. art. Yeah, yeah. The, colors are incredible. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I, cool. He's he's a he's a really good artist. Um, him and like Jeff Lemire, and I love when those guys uh, when they when they draw their own stuff. Do both. And, yeah. yeah. It's definitely very time consuming, but uh, it's always a treat for sure. Yes, agreed. Because you get that singular vision, which is what I like about you know manga. Yeah. Absolutely. And you just reminded me, Logan, too, of uh, like Royal City, which is a, something else I hope we, we get to do mm. in the future. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's one I'm, I'm uh, I think I read the first few issues of that one and I got way behind. So um, prepare, prepare to cry. That's <laughs> yeah. all I have to say. I just, I just, Lemire is such a good artist. Um, yeah. And, and I, and I like, I, I kind of, I like it when he's doing his, his own, um, his own creator own thing versus, um, stuff from Marvel and DC for the most part. Um, Black Ham- I like Black Hammer a lot too. But oh yeah. yeah. He's cool. He's also very nice. Nice person. I met, actually met him at the last con pre-COVID. So I'm glad I, I'm glad I went up to him, and, especially with all that's going on. That is all- yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I was a little intimidated. He's, you know, he's, he's a big time creator. Sure. Um, yeah. Okay, and then I'm Logan. Um, you may I used to, I've done a few podcasts. I did. I think the last comics podcast I did was Pantheon. It came out like four years ago. You've probably already forgotten it. Um, I got into. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit younger than y'all. I'm just gonna say. Um, right I, in. I didn't. I actually didn't read. I think she didn't read read comics growing up at all. Um, I I did watch a lot of the uh, some of the cartoons. X Men Evolution. I watched the. Sam Raimi Spider-Man movies, the Christopher Nolan Batman movies, I guess. Um, so I always was aware of like the Marvel and DC universes. Um, I think, yeah, I think my first, my dad had a collection of comics, mostly like Bronze Age stuff. So um, like old Marvel team-ups, old like reprints of like Kirby Fantastic Four. So that's incredibly would, great. Yeah, no, and he's that's cool. And he like, amazing. And he gave the thing to me. So that was nice. So, um, and uh, I think yeah, the Kirby's has yeah. So I kind of, I kind of like always had this kind of old school. Um, when I thought about comics, like starting out, I always thought they were kind of old school. So I, uh, the first series I really read was Ultimate Spider-Man. I read Ultimate Spider-Man. I would go to the library and check out the trade paperbacks. And I think I, I read Watchmen pretty early on. Um, read I, basically I would just go on the internet and be like, which ones are good? <laughs> on yeah. go on forums and ask people which ones are good. So I read like Kingdom Come, Batman Year One ultimate x-men barf that was so bad um but then i think some some like old timer was like like you got to read the chris claremont x-men stuff so i read about the first hundred or so issues of those because <laughs> and then through all that and then so, i think i started cre- collecting monthly around 2000 i went off to college in like 2011 so that was around the new 52 and also the introduction of miles morales so yay. I collected like Scott Snyder's Batman, Grant Morrison's Action Comics, Demon Knights. Was a, I've always been, I, I think I was, I love fantasy way before I love comics. Um, so I like that a lot. 
Mm-hmm. And then I also collect, I collect, and I also like the Ultimate Universe because I could collect like three books and know what was going on. Um, I got like the, I had Ultimate Spider Man. And then I had the very problematic Ultimate X Men with like Brian Wood and Nick Spencer. <laughs> and yeah. then Jonathan Hickman's Ultimate. So that got me into Jonathan Hickman. Oh. Um, and then how did I get into independent comics? It was actually a little bit out of pragmatism. Uh, I mean, there, I'd always, always read some like big independent books like I had read. Um, Fun Home and American Splendor, Ghost World. Um, Ghost I'm trying to think of other ones. Probably uh, the Crow. Like basically, they like made a movie of it. I would always go and check out the source material. That makes sense. It's pretty oh, basic, absolutely. But, but I'll be like, I... yeah, go ahead. Oh, I said that's what got me into Hellboy. It was the movie. <laughs> so yeah. I totally yeah. understand. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and then I think yeah. So I was writing for a comic site and. We actually didn't have access to Marvel and DC books, but we did have access to Image, Dark Horse, um, IDW, all those publishers. So I would just kind of like look at ones I liked. So yeah, I got into Saga. Um, and I would, and like I always, I would follow my favorite creators over to Image. So I got into The Wicked and the Divine, Phonogram, because I like Kieran Gillen's stuff. Um, I would read like The Fade Out, Kill, uh, Kill or Be Killed, because I liked Ed Brubaker's Captain America. Um, sex criminals, um, satellite sand because I like Matt Fraction stuff, um, and yeah, that's how I kind of started going from just doing kind of mostly Marvel and DC to getting into Image, and I, I don't know. I, I feel like I read. I'm really bad at reading manga, but I feel like I read. I try to check out um, most publishers' stuff. So um, mostly, mostly just from like reviewing. Well, like reviewing books, and I like see a book that looks cool, and I'm like, check it out. And sometimes it's you know, sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's like a new favorite, and probably let's see favorite indie books um probably favorite all time definitely the wicked and the divine um and phonogram kieran gillen and jamie mckelvey they're like the dream team to me for sure um another one uh i like scott pilgrim a lot i saw the movie before i saw the comic but love the comic love this i love love the slice of life meets um high uh, high action um what else I, I really like I really like Dan Clow's work a lot. Um, Eight Ball and uh, Patience, I think, is his most recent one. Um, I, I kind of I've been getting kind of into like the more old school indie guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then what else? Oh, this is such a hard question. It's a very hard question. Yeah, <laughs> and I like and asking it myself. Um, I'm like looking at my shelf right now. Uh, I really oh another another one Asteria I, I took a comics class in college and we read David Mazzucchelli's Asterios Pollux and it's pretty awesome like it's just cool seeing him evolve from I mean Batman Year One and Daredevil Born Again are really good but just seeing him evolve and kind of delve into more philosophical themes and um, but still be like this great amazing artist um, and then also that book also got me kind of like I think the packaging and the design of the comic is just as important as um, kind of the what's what's on the inside and it, that kind of book it's kind of, he's an architect so it kind of looks like an like a blueprint so mm-hmm. yeah and also yeah I like the Archie books too um I, I I like used to make fun of Archie all the time when I was younger but then the new Archie came out with like Chips of Darcy's Jughead and Marguerite Bennett's Jughead's uh, fantastic Josie and the Pussycats and yeah, I got into it um and I like to I like to call myself a third generation Archie's Archie fan because my grandma collected them back in the shit the 1950s i think so and then my mom read them you know after that so it's kind of cool you know 
<laughs> That's super awesome. Yeah. Everybody reads a little bit of Archie. I don't think oh. there's any way to really avoid Archie. No, absolutely not. And I'm kind of kicking myself with, with Darcy when you mentioned Archie. I was like, oh, yeah, die. I read a lot of Archie growing up. And then, and right now, Logan with Wicked and Divine, I'm like, how can I forget that? So, kind of yeah. stage, stage fright on my end here, and I'm forgetting all my favorite books. No, nah, dude, dude, it is all it is all good. And I feel like it'll it'll come out. We'll have a little side, like we had a little side yeah. conversation about Jeff Lemire. Like, it'll, yeah. it'll come out through, through, uh, through what we discuss. But after this amazing, empowering opening, uh, it's, we're going to go a little bit on a down note. So I'm calling this session, uh, this segment, News Break. So we're going to, anytime there's like big news in independent comics, um, we'll, we'll just have like a little kind of discussion. So um, yeah, so recently Dynamite, um, Dynamite Entertainment, they publish mostly licensed books, but they also publish some creator-owned books, probably most popularly The Boys by Garth Ennis and Dark Robertson, um, one of my guilty pleasures. <laughs> um, and, it's, and it's an Amazon show too. And they, they recently kind of showed their hand that they were uh, connected to Comicsgate, this, this hate movement. They were gonna publish a cover by a Comicsgate creator named I think Cecil or something. I don't, I don't know, these guys, they have so many fake ass names and you lose track of them all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And a, a quick uh, explanation on what uh, Comics Gate is is essentially, it's the um, it's it's a it's a section of, of creators who believe that the the amount of diversity that we've had in the recent years in comics is forced and that it is not good for the industry, and that they feel that that diverse comics are bad comics, but. We, definitely kind of a antiquated belief system that i'm sh- that we we all three of us definitely don't believe and <laughs> i'm sure a lot of you, you listeners here don't believe that either or you probably would have already turned this off <laughs> so so um the um so so yeah definitely um not good people to say the least yeah and let a lot of let a lot of targeted harassment campaigns and uh, yeah yeah. So Darcy, you, you run a, what is it? You run like kind of like a pulp blog and you cover kind of some, I lot cover of a lot books. of, a lot of, I don't cover the dynamite books themselves, but dynamite happens to own a lot of, a lot of the licenses on old pulp characters. So I run a blog, very new blog. It's not incredibly old on uh, old radio serials and so, unfortunately, Dynamite owns a lot of characters like The Shadow and The Green Hornet. And it's kind of problematic, not just obviously it's problematic because they're dealing with these horrible people who are awful and are hateful and freak out at the least little thing like oh this character is a girl and black and smart holy crap we can't deal with that Uh, and that's terrible and awful but you also have this company that has control over really fantastic characters that well that sucks that now we have to decide that same thing you have with 
J.K. Rowling and her characters, you've got the character and the artist. Where do we separate this? Now we've got the character and the publishing company. Where do we separate this? Because the publishing company is not now bad. And then you've got the added problem where you have all of these creators, these artists and writers who have been spending their time making materials, making content <laughs> for you know, probably years now yeah. and have just got it out on this platform. And it's been sullied basically because Dynamite's decided to hitch their wagon essentially to a hate group. And that really sucks for these people who aren't part of a hate group, but now their books have been stamped with Dynamite, which is now, hi, we're connected to a hate group. No, absolutely. And and we're talking about great creators too, like Mark Russell and like Gail Simone and and definitely people who don't are not comic skate people. So it's and and I think we can all, you know, even though they're mostly licensed stuff, I mean, we can all kind of point to a dynamite series, usually written by those kind of writers that we all liked in the past and and it's and it's sad that you kind of have to kind of cut ties with it and and also with their with their work um but at the same time it's just like uh, it it comes to question how do you support the art the art the artist not the the company that's putting out the art you know and i do like what like carla pacheco has done um, where she has written the the recent Betty Page series, and she's now donating all the earnings that she's received from Dynamite for that series, which is actually a pretty popular series, um, to like the Trevor Project and other LGBTQ organizations, which is which is pretty awesome because, I mean, I'm sure that that's a a decent paycheck, and and it's great that she's giving money from an organization filled with hate or at least supporting hate people to an organization that needs the money that's that's for the good that's really awesome i've read the betty page book it's a pretty decent book and that's what i've really enjoyed about some of the recent dynamite or even like recent books like in that ilk is that is that like Gil Simone's Red Sonia, same with, with uh, Mark Russell's Red Sonia, they've taken, and then same with the Betty Page book, they've taken characters who historically were considered like cheesecake, two-dimensional characters. Just one type of comic book reader reads those books and it's not the ones that are looking for a good story. And mm-hmm. they've, they've taken that and they've developed dynamic characters, strong female characters out of these initially very kind of um, you know controversial characters essentially so it's sad that 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 has to to end because now the character the 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 creators that would do that are now leaving the, the the company and not taking those licenses with them so that's disappointing yeah yeah I remember I think the one of the first dynamite series I, I covered that sort of sorrows crossover they did back in I want to say it was either 20 I think it was like 2015 and it was all female create it was like I think it was the first time like Gail Simone was like the architect it was like the first time like a, 
a female creator led like a major summer event. And I thought that was really, um, I mean, they, they had the fan service covers, but like just mm-hmm. the, the overall storyline and just like that they, it wasn't just female characters. It was like, they, they got a bunch of like G. Willow Wilson, um, Leah Moore. I, this is five years ago. So I'm not remembering all the creators who worked on the book. They just, and they were all working on, and they, they just got all the characters from like, um, from Irene Adler to Red Sonia, Deja Thoris. And it was, it was super cool. And it, you know, I'm like dynamite, not a bad pup, but then, you know, cut to three years later. Yeah. Cut to three years later and the CEO, the same, I, I assume the same CEO is working behind everyone's back with Ben Skyver, Ethan Ben Skyver and like. Giving him money and yeah, courting so. Comicsgate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. no it's yeah. it's really you get into that like i said it's kind of it's a conversation people have been having in the if you're part of the harry potter fan community oh, it's a conversation they've been having because she's all transphobic and terrible and it's different with her because she owns all the licensing to everything it's her characters you can't really separate harry potter from J- from jk rowling excuse me Luckily, the benefit we have is that these characters can be separated from Dynamite. So there is that. These creators can be separated from Dynamite. Dynamite and the CEO are not these comics. They're not these creators. They're not these licenses. So these can be pulled these characters have been at other publishers before they can be at other publishers again it can happen other people can buy it dynamite can go bankrupt (laughs) and very well might because they're not doing well this the pr they're getting out of this is not great and i don't want anyone to lose their job i don't but this could not reflect well on them and things could change so this is a terrible thing right now and it's bad at the moment but it doesn't have to stay bad in the way that other things that are similar are bad because the ceo ethan they don't control what's going on as much as other hate groups control the characters and that's the only benefit i see in this situation exactly yeah i mean yeah i mean they could yeah i mean i one one person i I mean i know he's not on social media i think we've discussed this off the air is i I really want to i really think if garth i really think garth Dennis should say something and Um, i think matt wagner should say something absolutely on both of them yeah because i mean the boys is like it's it's the only really creator own kind of crossover success that dynamites had it had a 72 issue series and it's a very popular show on amazon people yes, who is. i know people it's it's a water cooler show people who didn't know fucking dynamite from idw were talking about it at work yeah. and um, people who don't know it's a comic talk about it yeah and, exactly and it's and then and then they had the news the follow-up series is 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 doing pretty well um so i think he could just yeah it'll be, ni- it'll be nice to hear from him even though like he, he does do interviews but he doesn't do social media so but yeah. he probably has some kind of agent or yeah he definitely has an agent i mean he said what yeah, two shows he based does on his... hollywood stuff he's got an agent absolutely <laughs> somebody needs to come out and put out a statement for yeah. him i would like matt to do one because 
a lot of people I know who read Dynamite, like the only stuff they've ever touched from Dynamite are connected to Matt in some way. Oh, yeah. So I'd like Matt Wagner to come out and put a statement because he's popular with a lot of people. Also, he writes all the stuff I like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, no, no. He's, he's done a good job with The Shadow and, and Green Hornet. And, uh, and Green he did. I like his Green Hornet. And uh, kind of going back to a few years ago, I really liked the, the Django um, Zorro crossover he did. Yeah. I know Dynamite got Ooh. Quentin Tarantino to work with them. <laughs> like, yeah. Like they can, I, I mean, they have some clout. They used to. They have clout. Yeah. No, definitely. They they've gotten some big names, so. And they're embarrassing themselves. Yeah. And upsetting me. <laughs> they're upsetting us all, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, like someone Garth Ennis could easily. I mean, shit. I think Image would Image would take the. I mean, back when the boys came out, it was very kind of controversial, whatever. I mean, it is for sure. But now it's like it has an Amazon show. Like Image would, anyone, any publisher would would pick it. Any publisher would take it. Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like Avatar, but I'm like, no, it's too big for Avatar. <laughs> such a, yeah. Such a yeah. weird publisher, but I mean, Alan Moore does books for them. Like, yeah. Some of Alan well, Moore's last. Alan books. Moore. Alan Moore doesn't care who a publisher is. Yeah. Anyone who's willing to go to his cabin in the woods. Yeah, Alan Moore would publish a comic book on leaves. (laughs) He probably has. (laughs) Probably has. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of like Dynamite, I think I feel like the creators that work with Dynamite are bigger than the Dynamite. Like the Dynamite is really just like I think the reputation they have in the industry is uh, they'll they'll license anything. They'll license anything. They license the homie toys. Um, Yeah. They they license Atari games, Um, and they'll they'll do they'll publish if you pay enough. A certain amount of money, they'll publish any cover. So yes, they just they, they they've always they the company themselves has never had a had a great reputation. It's just like yeah, create the the creators good creators will work with them and mostly cover artists. Like, yeah, I think I remember. Oh man, I was getting the comics and I saw like Flash Gordon, not the Evan Shaner stuff, like the older stuff from mm-hmm. Dynamite, and I'm like, ooh, Alex Ross, is he doing interiors? Is this is fu-? no, of course I, not. And then, then I like open up and I'm like, wow, this book has really bad art. And that kind of, that's like the dynamite cliche. I mean, some books have broken it. And it, I mean, yeah, like Francesco Francavilla did that spirit book. That was so good. But there's an artist, um, Bob Q. Oh, he does. Cool. Yeah. He does a lot of stuff for dynamite that actually I met at WonderCon last year and he was super nice. And um, I think one of the few, actually I'm, I'm a, I'm a, a, a very I'm a hockey fan. <laughs> That's like really the only sport I like. And he had an LA Kings hat on, and I'm a fan of the rival team. And despite that, he still would talk to me. So that was nice. Cute. I don't know if that means means anything, but no. hockey's fun. Go Predators! Yeah, <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> yeah. I'm born in Nashville, so got it. Oh yeah. Cool. All right. Um, yeah. So any 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 last thoughts about the whole dynamite scandal? I hope someone please takes away all the Golden Age licenses. Thank See you. ID IDW doing it. I could I I mean, they're a good a decent size and they Dark do, Horse used to have them. Yeah, but Dark Dark Horse is hemorrhaging everything, so maybe they might be good for well, them. Well, I mean, Dark Horse might need some new licenses because they just lost, lost Aliens and Predators. So yeah, yeah. I don't. Know. And Usagi. Usagi. Yeah. Usagi Ojimbo. Yeah. I love Usagi. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so on that depressing move, note, <laughs> we're going to move to our um, 
quick hits. So basically what this is, is we're basically giving like one, two sentence, like uh, kind of reviews of indie books that we've enjoyed this week. So I'm going to start off with Brian. What is your quick hit this week? Okay, well, um, I, I actually chose, in the future, I will be choosing uh, a book that had come out the week prior, but this time around, I chose uh, just kind of an entire series, um, 12 issues. It's uh, Heathen, uh, written by Natasha Altarici, um, who, Altarici, excuse me, and uh, she, she had done the art herself uh, through eight issues, and uh, then um, Ashley A. Woods has taken over the, the art um, there's 11 issues out now. The last issue is coming out probably in the next couple of weeks. Um, it is a the story of Adis, who is a young lady from um, it, in, uh, in at a, from a Viking tribe, and she is exiled because she is caught kissing a girl, and she it, one of her her father, who is one of the leaders of the city or the town is um, is advised to to that either it's going to be death or or she has to get married so the father chooses death but clandestinely escorts her out of the of the town and she goes on a, an adventure to rescue a valkyrie named brunhild who's the lead valkyrie who got similarly exiled by odin and is on top of a, a mountain of fire and has to marry the person who rescues them. So she's on the way there, not to to necessarily marry Brunhild, but to rescue her and give her the freedom that she has, has now been given by her father. And so there's talking horses, there's a bunch <laughs> of great um, like Norse gods, um, some heartbreaking love stories in here. Um, Brynhild um, was once in love with a mortal and, and part of the rule was that she couldn't be with an immortal. And so something happens where that character is no longer considered mortal and has, they have to be away from each other. And so there's heartbreaking things like that. There's some great humor. There's mermaids who love apples, <laughs> and there's um, pirates that that um, all all women pirates that are going from ship to ship to make sure that there's no slaves on those ships. And if there is, they're they're uh, sinking the ship and rescuing the slaves. So just some great great characters, great little stories. It's it's only twelve issues, but there's so many little little gems in this in this in this book definitely and i definitely recommend it that's so cool yeah um and i think the first maybe first couple issues are free on tapas so if you want to um i mean this book i mean from your description this book sounds like i mean the fucking jam but um, <laughs> like talking horses but yeah. like i mean but if i know i like i'm like i'm like i love i mean i love all that norse mythology stuff that marvel does but i'm like you know, it could be a little gayer. I was going to say. Yeah. It could be so. a lot gayer. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And everything and, could be gayer at Marvel. Exactly. Absolutely. And and Saga not only is a talking horse, but it's a very sassy talking horse that will not take any flack from anyone. So that makes it even better. Yes, it so, is. Um, 
but no, uh, and the the first couple of issues, um, Ultra Richie's art is it's, it's fantastic through the whole thing. Um, um, she, it's the the first couple of issues. The pencil work is a little more rough, and I think it's just kind of and but she, um, it's kind of intended to kind of like take you from a like a the real world to a fantasy world, and and the later issues, her her pencils become a lot more defined and and so as you go more into the fantastical the everything gets clearer in a way so that's kind of that's, nice that's really well. cool that's cool yeah i like yeah i mean distinct visual style good stuff so darcy what is your quick hit this week um i am not a kind of week to week month to month reader so everything i pick will be older uh so my pick is going to be now by art gino who is a thai comic book artist i lived in thailand for nine years so i have a couple of thai comic book favorites and i'm going to do one of those this week so i picked now because it is small um silent so you don't actually have to speak or read Thai to be able to read the book, which is great. It's also been translated. <laughs> can't translate silence, but it's been translated into French. Uh, so you can actually buy it on Amazon, uh, the French version on Amazon, but again, still silent. So you don't have to read French to be able to read this book. The basic idea is sort of similar to, I would say, Alice in Wonderland, where you have one girl kind of making her way through a fantasy, uh, but you sort of miss out that upper level, the real world. She's never in the real world. So you just kind of start her before a door. There's it's all kind of very soft pencils, black and white, with this slight wash of pink pencils, very light pink, almost peach pencils. And it's just her and an object. The first half, it's a door. The second half, I'm not going to explain because it's a lot more metaphorical and kind of want to work that out for yourself. <laughs> kind of weird, but not on me it's on whoever's reading it nice. um but it's very you'd think with so few elements involved and with it being very strict line work you think black and white a lot of times you think manga but manga's hugely with texture and shading this has none of that it's just very sketchy almost nice. just line work it's just that faint pink wash and that's it but it's got a lot of it's got a lot of texture to it in that it feels very tensile when she touches the door or when something touches her, you can almost feel it. There's a pressure to it that's quite surprising for as little art as exists. And there's so much white space when there's white space. And when the tension comes in, he fills it with so much darkness just with pencil work. And it's really amazing. There's the tensions there, the anxieties there as she works through these two places that exist. And for all that it's a foreign book, perhaps of a place you've never visited by a, a culture that you've never experienced, the theme that he's going for, which is kind of pressure 
that society puts on you to do things is incredibly relatable. It's an excellent book that I've read a hundred times now. So <laughs> I really recommend it. Yeah. Silent, silent comics are awesome. I mean, I feel like, I don't know, uh, some, I feel like some writers, I'm not going to name names, just like they just overwhelm the art with text boxes and everything. We're done. I'm like, I'm like, man, if you want to do that, write a, write a, write a, you know, actually write a play. Write a novel novel. Yeah. Write yeah. a book. Or, write, write a regular book. Yeah. It's just like, like, yeah. But then, then on the other hand, we get these, you know, these silent works. So that's cool. And I'm, I really look forward to hearing more about more Thai comics and maybe we'll cover one in our main, our main feature down the road. Maybe. So it's, Absolutely. It's cool. I yeah. would love that. Definitely. Um, yeah, and I guess mine. Ugh, I know I'm gonna be Mr. Mainstream this week, but Mr. <laughs> mainstream. I don't. I don't care. Um, so my my quick so hit this basic. week is uh, is uh, I actually I've been waiting for this comic for like four or five years, and um, it is Matt Fraction, um, Terry Dodson, and Rachel Dodson's um, Adventure Man from Image Comics. Very exciting. Two, so two issues have come out, and I, actually, I think Darcy, you might like this one. It's it's very I'm totally looking forward to it it's, I'm it's, doing it in trade <laughs> yeah okay yeah honestly I think I think the way it's paced it's paced out trade might actually be better so yeah I think you're making a smart decision um I'm so making yeah, a basic... monetary decision but thanks <laughs> right, right right smart and monetary is both good things <laughs> but uh yeah so basically what this the it, the book starts out it's this huge pulp like Terry like the Dotson. it's probably the, the Dotson's best artwork um like you may have seen their work on X-Men Fantastic Four and it wasn't as up to par, but I think they've had more time to work on the details, um, character designs, color palettes. So it's just this fully realized pulp universe, um, colorful heroes, dastardly villains, cool stuff. And then about halfway through the first issue, it's this single, this single mom, Claire Connell in New York, um, who single mom, veteran, kind of normal life owns a used bookstore which adds kind of quirkiness with lots so, of cats so yeah yeah lots of cats so <laughs> it's like it's just wonderful like like i think like i still think this book hasn't even reached its potential yet but one thing i love about this book is it's just the perfect um blending of pulp adventure and slice of life like you get these crazy insane detailed action double page spreads from the dodsons and then you get like uh, a Shabbat dinner where everyone's talking over each other and and there's this great scene where, where she takes out her uh, hearing aids because she, she doesn't want to deal with that shit. <laughs> um, so I like it. It's just like the mundane and the magical and it's just it's really fun and um, it's just the art is rich and Fraction is having a hell of a time. It's it's like it's it's more like I think it's kind of more straightforward adventure Fraction and less like I'm too cool for school, Casanova, like fraction. But I like so, Casanova fraction. Yeah, no, 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 yeah. no, no, like <laughs> absolutely. No, it's. I mean, it's okay. Like, I, I just, I just like that he can work in different modes. It's kind of like like oh, yeah, Karen no. Gillan can do die yeah. and once in future, and it's kind of he's just having he's having a good time, um, and Definitely. doing kind of a straightforward adventure narrative. It's and, it's it's not the same as like his Hawkeye, but it's still great. Hawkeye's great too, but it's it's definitely different. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and he he's he's like he's he's awesome. He's 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 very well read, and he he's he's obviously read these 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 Doc Savage paperbacks, 
and is kind of doing an interesting thing with them, kind of like what he did at Casanova with the uh, the Jerry Cornelius stories, and it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool how he brings back these, you know, characters. Like, I mean, Doc, Doc Savage doesn't really mean anything to me um, in 2020, but he kind of you know makes them, these archetypes and characters relevant, and mm-hmm. yeah. And then yeah, it's just and then Dotson's turning in career best work, and yeah, it probably will read better in trade. I'm just gonna be upfront about that, but. Um, yeah, a lot of things do. Yeah, yeah. The, honestly, in the, the first the first issue, um, I reviewed the first issue, and it was the first issue was like maybe a little too. It was like very overwhelming, um, especially like the first twenty pages. Yeah, throwing out all these concepts and everything, and it's just like um, it's kind of sensory overload, and um, and it's like and it, and it was like a forty page first issue, which is nice for your money. It's like, nice, yeah. Like a like a three ninety nine forty page issue, like stuff with content yeah, that's... is like that's more, rad more people yeah. should do that and yeah. and it's and it's like and it's like it's not like there aren't any like you know how like some books will just do like black pages or something it's like no these these shits are i mean filled like with art i mean it's weedy <laughs> it's it's it's, see, it's it's honestly the opposite of the book that darcy was talking about we went from like the <laughs> minimalism to just like the fucking baroque oh but, it's yeah yeah but that's but it's one thing i love about comics is it, it, it's like it's a it's a medium that with unlimited potential you can so many work in so many art styles tell any story you want um it's usually just you know one to unless you're like a fucking marvel or something it's usually one to maybe four creators working together versus like you know movies you get huge sets and mm-hmm. uh, like honestly like like movie like there's more people working on on like craft services versus all, like in, yeah. in comics so yeah so um, and speaking of Darcy, um, so we're going to move on to our kind of our main event. Um, I, I kind of call it the main course because I think I was hungry when I was creating the, uh, <laughs> the, the names of I our I can understand our, that completely. Our, our segments. Absolutely. And also, also, I and respect also, hunger. Food is also kind of a theme of it uh, is. what we're talking about. So it's Darcy, fantastic since, this, thing. since this book was your suggestion, I think I'd never heard of it before. Um, introduce our main course i guess well um this week we are going to do american dream by Sh- uh shingen core but i think actually brian wrote a bio intro so brian oh if you have that you're welcome to read it actually what i had read earlier was the uh the description from the the copy that i had received <laughs> Oh, <laughs> do you have that? Because yeah. that's actually a really great bio. Um, oh yeah. Well, um, yeah. Let me let me go right here. It is um, Shin Yin Kor is an Ignatz winning cartoonist and installation artist who is exploring personal narrative, new human rituals, and collaborative world building through graphic memoir, science fiction, and large scale art structures. Well, I thought you wrote that the last time you read it, so I thought you were super fancy. I am very humbled that you would think that I <laughs> that. <laughs> well, I love Shingen Core. I have been a fan of theirs since, I don't actually know, <laughs> probably 2000 and a long time ago. I don't want to think about it. Um, I found them through... Uh, Center for Otherworld Science, which was like a webcomic uh, that was turned, uh, they put on, 
I, I don't know if they printed it or not, but it's on Comixology that you can uh, get. And it's, Shingen likes to do these weird, fantastical creatures and just incredible stuff. And in almost a kind of dust and wind style of, uh, of watercolors. And I was just immediately hooked. I love their stuff. And so when I found out about American Dream, which is a graphic novel, I just had to read it and loved it. So the second I found out we were doing this podcast, that was my suggestion. So American Dream is a graphic novel that they put out uh, in 2019. That is a story about a road trip Shingen took in 2016. So it's a memoir comic. It is interesting for so many reasons, which we'll definitely get into, but just to sort of set a base, uh, Shingen Corps is Malaysian American. Uh, they came to America, I might get this wrong, but I believe they were 16 at the time uh, when Shing's family immigrated. And it's kind of a interesting story in and of itself. Uh, there's a lot of comics that you can go find of Shingen's. Uh, Say It With Noodles is a great one that's connected to her family. Uh, what Would the Yellow Ranger Do, which you can find on the nib. Work Hard, which you can find on Upworthy. But for the sake of this podcast, we're going to do... American Dream. I love the name. What would the Yellow Ranger do? That is absolutely wonderful. I, I think I might have read that, but not. I, I love the nib. Um, uh, so I probably read that, but I just didn't. Sometimes I'm stu- I just don't look. At didn't the, connect them. No, sometimes I just it's, don't forget. Remember the cartoonist names because they have so many. And and it's uh, a it's a little bit older. Yeah. What would the Yellow Ranger do? But it, it kind of fits in that same concept of kind of otherness. So the American Dream is, like I said, it's a story of a road trip in 2016, which seems simple. If anyone's ever t- taken, taken. That's embarrassing. I used to teach English. No worries. If anyone's ever, if anyone's ever taken a road trip, uh, the story is Shing decides uh, to take a road trip on the historic Route uh, 66. Um, Shing's got this, Shing has got this incredible love. If you've ever been on their, <laughs> on their Twitter account, which is at Sawdust Bear, uh, love for like Americana. Just fabulous. I don't know. Have you guys ever Route sixty six? Have you ever done it? Um, I'm I'm an East Coast guy. Um, so uh, actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. Um, I, I've Ryan? been to I've been to some of the states, um, but I haven't I haven't done it. No. Brian, I, you're on West Coast. Yes, and um, not too far from Santa Monica, where it begins. Um, and but. No, I um, definitely have been on multiple parts of Route 66, and this actually was personally has been one of my dream like vacations. It's just a, a road trip from from Santa Monica to Chicago. Um, 
I, you know, we do, we do, well, before the, the current world situation, um, we, <laughs> we, um, we would do um, trips to Las Vegas often. And part of that trip, you go through Barstow, which is one of the places that, um, that Shingen actually stops in. And, um, and it, in, in that place, it's in the middle of the desert. It's the only reason why that exists is that it just happens to have roads that go through it. And it's, it's a pretty, and, and they definitely, um, have like the, the route 66 painted on the, the streets and it's, it's definitely what Xinyin represents in the book. And as well as, um, I've been over to, actually, I don't. I was gonna say Cabazon, but I don't. I, almost, I actually now I think about it is not part of Route sixty six, but um, but but the roadside attractions definitely not closer to the LA area, but a little mm-hmm. further out when you're in the desert, they're definitely there, and a lot of them are are abandoned, and it creates a um, it creates another worldness to it. There's there's a um it's uh, it's a little further past barstow on the 15 freeway on the way to las vegas there's a um abandoned water park and whenever we drive by it i'm like oh there's the uh, the scooby-doo like water park <laughs> because totally somewhere the scooby-doo episode would take place the the haunted water park in the middle of a desert where it's just like the 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 skeleton remains of 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 um of different slides and stuff and Ab- Oh, sorry. Absolutely. Oh. That's, that's totally what it's like. Yeah. I, I did kind of the backwards version of it from the halfway point almost mm-hmm. uh, when I was in college. Um, a bunch of friends and I had this little bitty break between debate tournaments and we decided to go from East Texas to, well, we didn't know where we were going to go. We were going to go as far as we could go to get back in time and we kept going oh we can go a little bit further we can go a little bit further we can go a little bit further we made it to the grand canyon so nice. a lot of a lot of the things she saw and she details in the book um i've been to which is really nice but then a lot of it i missed because especially on the way back we had like speed was more important than uh just seeing the sights so we definitely hit you know like the painted desert and the petrified forest but a lot of the little things we had to miss because we did the trip for speed. So we took the interstate. And so reading the book was really interesting because it's like, well, I missed all this really awesome stuff. I know I I remember seeing a couple of mufflermen, which they're super fascinated with, which is incredible because mufflermen are awesome. Those big statues. Um, But it's like, so I've seen some of those, but I miss so much stuff because you take the interstate. And so yeah, yeah. I, I caught some of it because 66 goes through the painted desert. So I was on some of it definitely, but missed so much of it just because speed was more important than scenery. Right, yeah, actually, full, I mean, I, I, I did live in California as a kid and, and my family moved back to um, Tennessee and we did do, we did that like west to east, but yeah, we mostly, we, we, we hit a few of like the national parks, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm like, like that kind of sucks, and um, and that, that, I think that's like one thing that I like read, about reading this, like kind of connecting back to the book, is mm-hmm. they um, core just just delights and just kind of taking it easy, sleeping in their car, um, just kind of 
reveling in just the little things, you know, meeting kind of like friends along the way, but not like deep, you know, they don't pull any, you know, rom-com bullshit. It's just like this cool biker dude in a ghost town. Yeah. Kind of I thing. love that part. It's yeah. Like just a, meets this good, random person. Yeah. Just that good kind of like quick found friendship and kind of drawing the parallels because yeah, a lot of bikers do 66 because I feel like, you know, biker culture, um, it's, it's more about the ride than the destination. You know, you're just right. looking cool, looking exactly. tough in your, in your motorcycle, enjoying the breeze, enjoying the, the, the landscape. And I think Quora kind of has that same attitude as well. And, and I'm just like thinking like, yeah, going back to like when I, I did that trip with my family and I'm like, yeah, like we had a few, we had a few spots, but there's definitely like, we have to get to fucking Tennessee before my dad starts his new job and like mm-hmm. Absolutely. starts and all that blah life bullshit and <laughs> instead of just enjoying the you know the journey like um courted in an american dream for sure no uh one thing you had mentioned the the biker and the the brief relationship one thing that absolutely struck a major chord with me was so they they go on you know have a little brief friendship and they they go to ghost towns and i do love the part where they're like oh i'm glad that when when um they they were like uh i'm glad that the uh the, the the biker guy was with me when we were in this creepy ghost town because <laughs> the monster would eat him first it's right. like it's, it's it's not like what you would expect you know like or bug and they also said bug we'll eat the dog first too yes. and i was like no the dog and i love the name bug for a dog but but you know in all honesty the um, the part that i absolutely loved was when they part ways and it's like and the the and um, shingen says that i'm we didn't exchange information and mm-hmm. that and but that's great because that was what their relationship was is that moment in time there was no reason to extend it and it's they will always have that section of arizona essentially and and there's nothing there's no reason to to, to have more than that you know and mm-hmm. you know like um not to quote Fight Club, but like sometimes single <laughs> single serving friends are the right kind of friends, you know. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the Arizona the Arizona portion of the the book is definitely the strongest. Um, yes, um, I kind of agree. Yeah. yeah, one because I like Arizona a lot, which kind of helps. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I I think I had negative bias towards Arizona, and I'm kind of like you know maybe I should give it another shot because. I just remember, I don't know, visiting some really weird relatives, like, that's like Flagstaff when I was younger, and I just, I don't know. I love but it's like, Flagstaff. It's, yes. It's like, it's actually pretty cute. Like, I'm mean, gonna give it a, give it a shot one day, we, you know? It is a good section, though. Yeah. I thought, a lot of the things I thought were really interesting, I never connected the American-owned hotel thing as racist until i read that book that was something that had never occurred to me in my entire life it blew me away and i didn't know if that was something that i just didn't know or if it was just something like white people just don't know if it doesn't directly affect you i mean it's easy it's it's it has no inherently racist language in it so it's 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 hard you know if if it doesn't directly affect somebody it's easy to just not even think about it being what it is right yeah and and um and and darcy if you like well just let 
us know like exactly what um the, this whole american owned thing was in in the book right so she she goes past hotels and and i've seen this myself obviously i think anybody who's driven past a crappy hotel in a tiny town has seen this uh, you see a hotel that says american owned on the sign and according to xing yin and i once it was said i i have heard this too uh a lot of hotels that are independently owned in america are owned by indian families and so when a sign says american owned what they're saying is not owned by an indian family I, I didn't know that. I didn't know anything about the, like, that Indian Americans own so many. I did not know that and until I read this. I didn't know they owned so many. Yeah. I didn't know. <laughs> it is 100% an image of, like, immigrant success. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. Come yeah. over and succeed and do good things, like open small businesses. So yeah. it, it's really racist <laughs> but it's it's one of those racism things that i've seen mine i i think i just assumed it meant locally owned or small business like mm. that it just wasn't owned by a conglomerate like yeah. it's not a holiday Inn express right exactly. i think that's what i always just assumed but no. it's not and, yeah. that and on, honestly away. reading yeah. that completely yeah. changed my brain yeah, honestly, like before 2016, I would have been on the same page, but I just like the way like America first and just the way nationalism. Right. Because I mean, it's always, you know, it's always been an undercurrent. It's in, always in been society, there. But now it's like up front and I'm just like, I, I just like every, 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 every even like bit of patriotism and whatever now is just like, honestly, like triggering to me. And I'm, right. just, and I'm just like hyper aware. Like, I mean, I'm, I was, I was on the road yesterday and I'm just like, I'm in the middle of nowhere in Kentucky. I needed to get gas and I'm just like Confederate flags everywhere. And I'm like, man, like if I wasn't white, I would be like, what the fuck? Terrified. And, and then, yeah. And then, there, and then like the, like I was, the, the, the restroom was behind this kitchen and I'm like, fuck man. Like, I'm, I'm like, it was just scary. And I'm just like, and then that's like, that's what they, they want. And I'm just like, like. Exactly. And there's no reason, you know, that anyone should feel fear and, right. and or should or should like get present fear to people. And 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 it's just I don't know, it's it's just ridiculous and I'm I'm glad that it's more in the forefront now and that that there seems to be some positive changing going around um we um i i had recently we my my partner and i had recently had a conversation about stuff like this and how even just like simple language that we use every day is um you can, you can accidentally be loaded and it's just the way the united you know like um, you know basically western culture has been you know like there, there there's certain phrases certain words that that we might use every day and not even realize so it's just now the acknowledgement of what is should be accepted and what is accepted is 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 it's great to know and and then and also the ability to change you know like one thing i just had realized um and actually it's one of the things that made me like um the book that we discussed earlier uh the the matt fraction book um 
Adventure Man. Adventure Man, thank you. <laughs> um, is I, some of my most loved people in my life are, um, are, are uh, legally disabled in some way. And I love representation of people with disabilities. And, 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 and I do my best to not, you know, to, to basically be as positive with them because it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's difficult. I mean, the world's a difficult place. And, and then if you have extra things against you, it's just makes it even worse. And, and then I recently found out it's like, I never thought of it until I read something. And it's like the word lame, you know, which is such a <laughs> innocuous word that everyone right. uses like this is lame this is you know is is bad that's that's a that lame is 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 it's referencing disability. a disability yes. that in a negative way you yes, know and yeah so and now it's just like okay i'm striking that word off my 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 list here because i you know now i know and that's all we can really do is is we need to to be actively learning and then and and then use that that education that we receive from from acknowledging the way the world is to make ourselves better people right and i think that's why kind of i like this book so much because it was a kind of a powerful lesson just even just that kind of one page was a really powerful lesson for me that was something that had never occurred to me it was easy to believe because you know america first which isn't yeah. new america first isn't new america first mm -mm. is oh, 1940s no. or whatever yes america first has been around forever absolutely but it was really easy to believe because you know we're in 2019 2020 now so i've seen it i'm used to it it's mm -hmm. really easy to understand why people are saying it and how people are saying it, but it's never occurred to me in terms of hotels before. <laughs> yeah. So blew my mind. And then visually, the way it's set up in the comic, like one or two pages later, the character they draw is just alone in this abandoned building, mm -hmm. except for Bug. And <laughs> it's raining and the color palettes all green and depressing and the message is well why try why care kind of like why is america why is this trip worth it why is anything worth it and it's kind of a good question at that point of the trip because you go through all this nonsense only to be met with unacceptance a lack of welcome mm -hmm. and it sucks yeah the, like uh, i made a note about the art there like most of her figure work is really open called the air j eyes like the tintin eyes um, yeah and welcoming but then but for that that page um their art is really really stiff and scratchy and just it's dark yeah and, 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 and in this book and like i feel like this book for the most part it even even with that epilogue i feel like this book has actually a pretty hopeful tone but it's incredibly like, hopeful but it, it, it is um and then oh my gosh probably i'm just gonna say like the scene i connected with the most like personally connected with the most was when they were talking about their um past like religious past um yes. like i'm like is that a dc are those dc talk lyrics i'm like <laughs> yes they are they are <laughs> like you used to go to youth group yes they are um, and just how they 
when they came to the United States, um, it kind of reminded me, I mean, even though I'm not an immigrant, um, but I remember I moved to a new school when I was in high school and it was really tough. Right. The kids at my school were really mean, but the kids <laughs> at the youth group were a little nicer. So I'm like, I'll get into this shit, you know? Mm-hmm. But but then it ended up, you know, ended up they were pretty like right wing and it was pretty pretty bad in the end and it just wasn't mm-hmm. my thing. Um as it was like with core. Um, um so I like really connected that a lot and <laughs> and just the whole idea of like demonstrative religion and instead of being something like deeply personal, it's something you have to build a like a 19 story cross about it's not yes. something right like uh i live not too far yeah. from a 19 story cross yeah you're in the bible belt let me tell yeah, you well, i mean I, well i actually i actually live in what <laughs> has been called the buckle of the bible i live in <laughs> i live in the home of liberty university and um, right right you're near, right. yeah so i like i'm i'm and like every day every day i'm just like it's like okay we get it you love jesus we get it like yeah we know <laughs> and, it, we, and, it, and, it, and it and then and just seeing just seeing like this versus like just the hateful messages and even like yeah we're not going to close the school down we don't um, like and yeah. it's just yeah and, and that, that 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 was just like i could even though me and Cora come from such different backgrounds it was just like this mm-hmm. like it's kind of common like connection through our relationships to like religion and um and yeah it was and it was also nice i really like how they interspersed the like kind of flashback autobiographical bits kind of bake it in to the road trip it kind of breaks it up nicely i liked Um, the speaking of the religion part the the kind of personal search where they kind of looked up at the stars and asked god are you there and the (laughs) shooting stars like yeah sure why not (laughs) a phenomenal message yeah sure why not yeah yeah i think i I had similar things like i remember like they would have big prayer stuff and i would just be like my eyes would be closed and like you know, you know, when you close your eyes, you're like retinas or doing shit. I don't, I don't know yeah, 100% right. of the science around it. Little and, fireworks. And I'm just like, okay, yo, I'm like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like I was tripping without taking any psychedelic substances. Kind of <laughs> right. And, and, and you really want to believe, but then, you know, down the road, you're like, dude, you were just, those are your fucking retinas, man. Yeah. Kind of thing. And like, like it's just how the body works. You, you press too hard on the pillow and your eyes were making weird things. Exactly, exactly, dude. Like, no, no, man. man. Your eyes were closed for way too long, man. You just, yeah. Wink, wink. No. Come on. <laughs> and and yeah. and it's you know, it's uh, it's the idea of you're it, when you're you're searching for something and, and you're gonna try to find it. Um and you're gonna take anything as a sign. Um the um, and, that, and and I think I think what's really powerful about those flashbacks as well is I, I think you know the the whole theme of this is 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 are that is that the, they're looking for the what is considered the American dream what right. like, like what, what what makes someone American or what makes things American and and religion definitely has a part of it definitely in Western culture and they were really interested in christianity in malaysia which you know christianity is is a western religion so it was almost like they even before they even came to america you know had a fascination and a love of of what makes america america essentially well even even before that with i mean shing said that and i don't know exactly where they were uh the whole family was at in Malaysia before. I don't remember I think what it was that Malacca. town was. Malacca. Malacca. So. Yeah. 
like a lot of Malaysia as a whole is uh, mostly uh, Muslim, but mm -hmm. not completely. There are a lot of Christians in Malaysia. So, I mean, it wasn't just necessarily America. There's, yeah. there's a fairly decent Christian population in Malaysia. It's a, a big, definitely a big melting pot. That's, that is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a, uh, I don't, they used a word for it and I can't remember. It was a colonial stepping spot. Like where I, where I lived mm -hmm. was a lot of Portuguese people yeah. traded mm -hmm. there. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, because because I I love I, I that was probably one of my favorite flashbacks just just on pure pure kind of like just irony and just I don't know just like, the tourists asking them to take pictures. Yeah, and, oh, then, yes. and then just and then just a cannon on the fort and kind of reenacting like oh that was just, a good one. just like because because I mean yeah like when you're a kid like you don't like when you're really young you don't like yeah. know what the cannon is. I mean. I like when I was young. I mean, I was younger. I lived. I lived by like some. What that history? And, and I didn't like. I just thought cool a cannon, cool yeah. a, mm -hmm. a fucking saber. I mean, but Indo then, indoctrination starts yeah. at an early age because everything's black and white. And like, oh, it's like we're the good guys because we're here, and they were the bad guys. So, right, you know, yeah. the ca the cannons are cool, and <laughs> I I love that. The that was definitely. I take I when I read when I read books, I I take. If I'm reading them digitally, I take screenshots throughout the whole time, and and that was definitely one. I was just like, I absolutely love this so much. Yes, <laughs> yeah, with I'm kill sorry, them all, shing on the cannon. Yes, yeah. yes, that's yeah. a that is a good screenshot. Yes, yeah, and, and it reminded me a lot of like I don't know. I like I, when I was younger, I lived in California, and like going. I remember just from all these field trips, like Gold Rush field trips, Mission field trips, like, mm -hmm. and I just I just I just thought they were cool buildings and cool. Shit, and I just didn't. I didn't really know about because I was in you know it was early elementary school. I didn't know like just a complicated history of imperialism and then I mean the Spanish come in and then Mexicans Absolutely. and then Americans and yeah and like and now I'm just like whoa like that was pretty messed up. Yeah, I mean <laughs> like they just came out here and just yeah. but cannons. Yeah, the and gold and like and like digging for gold. Like I mean, come on, like when you're a kid, like. Dude, finding gold in the ground, that's like fucking, like, you won the jackpot. I mean, you don't, like, have an idea of, like, money as much. And, I mean, right. Yeah. Like, you're just, like, if you, you find a golden nugget, like, you're set for life. I mean. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and and, and what, once again, that's definitely part of the American dream is, is to make it's to, to make your own way and, and create your own fortune. So, you know, yeah. that's definitely something that we learn at, from an early age. Um, yes. And then as for the missions, I, I'm right in the middle of, of all, you know, missions. I have one that's literally about three miles away from my house. Um, and that's actually what's been in the news lately with the, um, with the statue of, of uh, Hina Parasera. Oh yeah. Yeah. That, that is. Um, that, yeah. Oxnard, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Just, just up the freeway in Ventura. And um, I love going to the missions and it definitely has been part of my, my, my childhood growing up in California is definitely a big part of it. And I do have to say that initially when growing up, it was definitely more like, like, like great, like how great is his father, Sarah, and he's changing the world and he's making things better for everybody. <laughs> and now 
recently in the last few years um it, the the story has been different where where you walk you walk past a tiny room and then there's there's a blurb on the wall that says this is where they put all the 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 indigenous women because and they had to bar the windows and they basically were like captives in this tiny little room because men couldn't be trusted and they would break in and 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 take the women and 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 stuff and, and as well as they were force fed a religion that had and and their lands were taken away from them and and so it's become more progressive and um over the years which makes me extremely happy and it's sad that those but at the same time those missions are definitely uh a symbol of of oppression and and basically genocide so yeah yeah i mean yeah having that that context is so important um and it's like it's like people were talking about like the the confederate statues i mean it's a it's a big topic in in virginia um just and, a little and, bit yeah yeah which is like and it's like it's like especially like in richmond richmond is a very diverse area um very very blue very i mean the the area around like that where the statues are is very like very kind of like punk rock i mean nice. <laughs> and and uh uh and it's just like yeah like they're so they're so dated but then people are still like are we gonna forget history i'm like no, like no you don't just don't, you have to have context and um, I think a way to create nobody's learning is, accurate history from those statues anyway. Yeah. yeah, exactly. They're not talking to anyone, and they're just they're just. And the thing is, is that really bothers me is the majority of Civil War statues were not uh, were not made and erected during or after the mm-hmm. Civil War. They were erected during the Jim Crow era, during the antebellum era, just a, a reminder to people like the, we, you know of 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 oppression. So it's yeah, no, like they were they were a lost cause thing it was yeah we're rewriting history so they're wrong all the statues are wrong it's wrong history exactly you know it's it's just it's just kind of ridiculous they're absolutely ridiculous yeah and a lot of them are made in a factory in connecticut there's a great atlantic article (laughs) about this topic that they're they're mass produced in in connecticut of all places which is why they should all be replaced by muffler men <laughs> absolutely yes. those were great I, oh my god i love the muffler men so much and i i didn't know what those were they were called and 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 like it was great when reading through that i'm like oh that's what those because like it, it's in the title of the, of the book is muffler men i'm like what is a muffler man like i was thinking of like like the um the tire guy the the, the, tire, guy. the tire, yeah. guy. tire guy yeah and i was like okay like wh- why is that such an obsession <laughs> you know i can understand the breakfast burrito part but like i don't understand oh, yeah. yeah and so um i um no it was definitely i i love that so much um if when you travel through um california um in the central coast area there's a lot of farms and for a while they weren't necessarily muffler men but they were basically giant cardboard cutouts uh, effect or on wood of giant farmers um, th- throughout <laughs> and like and like that was one of the best things ever i love kitschiness i love cheesiness and and so does so does Shinye, you know i mean definitely i i, I feel very kindred towards them when it comes yeah. to when it comes to the the schlock and kitschiness and appreciating it the the dinosaurs oh yes know, yeah it's just <laughs> it, 
and it's and it's even better that they're you know it's 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 like a relic now you know it's it's better that it's not brand new and well it's it's not good americana if it's brand new they've got to be they've got to be terrible and broken down and scientifically ratty and yeah, yeah, scientifically. Yeah, inaccurate. like like the dinosaur. Oh, the yeah, the di- I really can. I'm you know I was a dinosaur kid growing up and um and just like yeah, just the dinosaur statues and, and dinosaurs are something that's very hard to draw. So kudos to yeah, definitely for, the good dinosaurs. Well, yeah. that's Shingen does those weird creatures. Yeah, so animals and lizards and stuff shane can do really well yeah you can you can definitely see when they're they're indulging their passion just like right you know, doing a, doing the full page images of the thing and that's mm-hmm. that's what i like you know it's it's nice to see it's nice to see a comic where a creator is just writing about what they love whether that's something you know something serious or something just you know fun and instead of you know following some editorial mandate and and that's kind of what's nice about this, because like we said, it has a really optimistic tone pretty much throughout, but with right. really serious points. Like, it's serious in that the points being made, the immigrant story to it's important, the sort of concern about racism is important, but overall, uh, there are friends that Shingen makes around the way. Uh, there are friends that Shing already has that uh, they connect to, that they stay with. Um, Ooh, that double page, like family. I forget where that was. Yes. Um, was that Amarillo? Yes. That, that, that family meal is just like. Uh, yeah, I think like, that's, it might have been Amarillo. I think so. Yeah, just that, like, just the, all the interact. I mean, you don't know anything about these characters' backstories or anything. And just, I don't think you need to. It's just. you. Love. Well, you get the connections. This person knew yeah. this person. Yeah. They met them, blah, blah, blah. It's these two families that have been together forever because the dads randomly met one day because they had <laughs> similar jackets. Like, <laughs> Which is so just amazing. <laughs> yeah and, and it's and it's so relatable to everybody essentially you know it's you know like families you know constructed or familial you know like mm-hmm. like everyone has those moments with them and where you you it's one of those pages where you can hear the page where mm-hmm. oh, for you, sure. Very good. Er, everyone is talking over each other you know there's probably some tv show on in the background that's just absolute the volume stopped too loud and everyone's trying to <laughs> trying to outdo each other and 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 it's just it's just absolute mirth and and positive the little kid who's stolen bug yeah <laughs> yeah yeah little kid yeah. stole the dog i was like and, it, and it's me. and it's good and it's and it's another kind of break because because we 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 get i love those little i love how core does these little they do these little um, kind of mini mini comics, like how to make like a hole to yeah. take a shit in, and how to yeah. how to camp. You, yes. and, and you get you kind of get these to show that they're really dedicated to the, mm-hmm. the camper life. And and then I and built then, a fire. But then, but then then later I'm like then later they're like yeah you know maybe maybe I need to sleep on like you need that I need a of, bed. <laughs> yeah, especially at the end. Like the end, you're just like game over the, like the noodles thing as well <laughs> like yay noodles and then it, it slowly gets to oh god noodles like I yeah. can't right um no it's it that yeah it's it's so much whimsy in those in those little tiny like as long as like the mini comics essentially you know like when when, when they're packing in the beginning and they're like well, things I need and things I don't need and it's like the armadillo or not I'm oh, sorry the the the, the beetle 
pillows is something right. I don't need. And I need a I need a ball for bug, but the eight other balls I don't need for bug. And mm-hmm. you know, it's like so it's just absolutely like and I I, I know that I'm inherently uh, an overpacker and <laughs> I can definitely relate to that as well. Um no, I, and one thing I, I kind of wanted to bring up too, um, they mentioned um, Steinbeck in the beginning mm-hmm. of, of the book, and, of and that, yeah. yeah, and that was that was one of the main reasons. And um, so, and one thing I'm kind of surprised they didn't mention it in the comic, and it might have just been a, a decision. But there's a there's a book by uh, that's an autobiographical book by Steinbeck called Travels with Charlie. And mm-hmm. that, that's basically Steinbeck's travels around the United States um, with his poodle Charlie, oh and and um, and it's and it, it has kind of the same feel, um, you know, that this this book has, and and I, it's not necessarily like what they see and what they and they draw out of things. To me, it's okay. So they. So Steinbeck wanted to do this because he was writing about the American people. And he was like, I can't write about the American people if I'm not, you know, if I don't see America. Exactly. And that's not, you know, and that's not necessary because, you know, the people he wrote about were the people he knew. Like he, he worked in Cannery Row and he wrote the short (laughs) stories about the people he knew, you know, and he wrote about the Dust Bowl because he was part of the Dust Bowl. Right. and so, so that's not necessarily the truth. He doesn't need to go see, you know, like North Dakota to write about someone in, you know, from California. And, and then at the same time, um, seeing Yin Kor, um, their purpose of this was to find America. Find, for find, basically, they felt, even though they've lived there for 10 years, and the, they've only lived basically in LA, and they're not they internalize that they don't feel truly American if they don't go out and see the rest of America. And that's not necessarily true either. And so both of these, these travels, you know, with little dogs and too, which is great, you know, travel with travels with bug is this, this book could definitely have been called instead. Oh, and, cute. and, and um, a very cute title. Yeah. And, 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 but they're, that that they're started because of a misconception that that the author has and there's they're not necessarily not less american because they don't haven't been outside of la it's you know that's but it's a misconception that's not necessarily their own yeah absolutely though no totally and that because especially i would say especially when you're in la la and an immigrant you're definitely never going to be a real american yeah. until you've gone someplace else people that are just in la you're not in real america right that's what you're told you've got to be somewhere else it's so really in that's the heartland. slightly yeah you've got to be in the heartland yeah. new york's not america la is not america california is not america all of new york's not america hey, Orange County everywhere is else pretty- however <laughs> So, I totally agree with you. I think everything you said is completely true, Brian, but I can totally understand where Shing's coming from. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I I totally get it. You're probably getting that whole sense of America isn't LA, 
which is stupid because probably LA has more of an American feel because America is diversity. Yeah, absolutely. And LA's got a huge amount of diversity. America I- certainly isn't where I live, where it's all white people of a very similar old age and yeah. they're all Christian and all believe pretty much the same thing. That's definitely not America. That's I, this place. I, I do have to say the main reason why I go down to LA is the food and that's because oh, God, of the, yes. diver- the diversity is, mm-hmm. is why it's so great. And, you know, and you can actually write a book of that. America is great because it has food? great food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like- and it has great food because it has great people from other places in the world. Yes. My ancestors, bo- my ancestors boiled meat. I'm yeah. going to eat a taco every day in my life instead <laughs> of boiled meat, please. Yes. For sure. Yeah. yeah. My ancestors like, you know, <laughs> like, like, I don't know, like German food's pretty good, but yeah. Yeah. So, but, but then the Scots, the, the Scots, not so much. I don't know. Yes. I'm, I'm mostly Scottish yeah. <laughs> and English, so. Yeah, English. Well, uh, like, in the, in the thing is, like, the best parts of English food, like curries and stuff, is Indian. Indian. And colonialism. Yeah, exactly. Once again, <laughs> I know it's like it got. Yeah, it's 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 even bad Indian. It's ruined Indian food. It, it, yeah. it's exactly. Boring Indian food. So yeah, so, a lot of the best European food, like even like Italian food, is is derivative of China and and of of South America because tomatoes are not indigenous in Europe. They came from South America and, and, and Eastern North America and, and noodles, you know, we all learn about the stories of the explorers bringing back noodles. And like, so, so basically the most Italian food in the world, spaghetti is because of, of, of diversity, you know, of culture, you know, cultures coming together forcefully in that case, but very forceful. Well, you know, Silk Road wasn't tea. I mean, gosh, tea. yeah, <laughs> tea. no, no but absolutely. Like, like uh, the the Normans and the Anglo Saxons and whatever were not drinking tea. No, uh, definitely not. But uh, and 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 that's the funny thing too is that when it comes to any country with nationalism, where you know, like with America First and everything like that, a lot of the things that these the American First people are are totally gung ho and forward about are things that were introduced by by the you know like immigrants and minorities and 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 the indigenous people it's like dude your america is is diverse deal with it <laughs> well going from food take a little bit of a side tangent possibly yeah, yeah. um a lot of what Shing talks about is food like food's very important to the sort of comics that they write about and to about the sort of immigrant experience that they write about um so anytime that they kind of stop with someone uh on the journey it's kind of like where am i stopping to eat who am i stopping to eat with and i think that's kind of an important thing because uh that's how I view my life. <laughs> That's oh, how I view my day. That's how I view everything. What am I stopping to eat? What am I stopping to eat for? 
what is food? When is food? That's how I view everything. And I think that's sort of, uh, Shing did, and we talked about this and I gave this to you, a, a sort of short comic called Say It With Noodles. Mm-hmm. And in that comic, uh, there's this conversation that's had about a Shing's grandmother and they never shared a spoken language. But the ideas had that they had the shared language of food. And I think that throughout Ching and Kors kind of work, there is kind of this concept of a kind of shared language that we have as people of kind of food, which I think exists in American Dream. But also American Dream kind of poses this shared language of travel kind of exploration that we kind of all can come together and share things Mm -hmm. and there's an optimistic part of it and then there's the epilogue yeah okay i think this is a good good time to talk about the epilogue yeah that's ooh, yeah and so yeah the book was written about the journey in 2016 and the book was published (laughs) after that period of time uh during which um i think to no one's surprise uh president trump was elected um we've had a rise in hate crimes against minorities of so many different kinds uh people of color women uh, queer people, uh, all of which affects a lot of people, (laughs) um, and immigrants. Some of the first people that were attacked post the election, uh, were immigrants with the Muslim ban. Mm -hmm. Um, Shingen Kaur is not Muslim, but obviously being, uh, not white, certainly has an effect on people. Uh, In the epilogue, Shing does say that they have possibly, I I haven't seen a picture of Shing and Kaur in a long time, but uh, in the epilogue, I believe they say that maybe they're pale enough to pass and it'll be okay. But one of the statements that's made that really made an impact on me is that it was a different time and that it was a time in which someone like them could go on a road trip like this. And that's not what today is. Absolutely. And I thought that was really, really sad. Yeah. Like no. the, uh, the interactions of Bruce, the biker, I'm like, like some, I like, I know some bikers are, 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 are uh, neo-Nazis. I mean, like some yeah, are my, just, you know, yeah. Yeah. My family, pretty much all motorbike people, but yeah. Like, so, I mean, some because are just, through you, them, know, you know, people who yeah. definitely are neo-Nazis. There are tons yeah, of them. So like, oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. It is so definitely like, in the culture. So like, I'm, def- I'm definitely like, yeah, this was probably maybe before 2016. And, um, and, and then you kind of see it seated in, like there's the, the Trump yard signs, but this is be- during like the early primaries when he, yeah. he like, we wrongfully thought that he was just good, doing a, a it joke. as a publicity stunt. Yeah. Um, and, and well, he is- might've been. <laughs> Yeah, and accidentally became president, which is really sad. Yeah. <laughs> but I love Bug 
What what is Bug doing to the Trump side? Oh, to taking his shit. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> that was so good. And, well, it's and, it, and it's honestly, and I, I like it because, um, oh man, this is gonna get dark again. Just with the the stuff with uh that 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 comic Southern Bastards, like Jason Latour is revealed as this just terrible person, and and yeah. one of the iconic images is that with like a a dog shitting in um by in front of a trump sign i I feel like this comic has kind of reclaimed that and i can kind of reclaim it i can kind of put the southern bastards aside and i mean like okay we got this this is like this instead yeah we've got this dog of a of a queer like malaysian immigrant doing this so i'm like okay it was it was not it was honestly very i i know like just i mean that was just a connection in my my mind um, right yeah i mean yeah it's not like this wasn't this this scene wasn't a take on southern bastards but this, no I just, it's just something you could have back yeah exactly <laughs> and well the and the comment uh, that darcy mentioned about um uh, shingy and core saying that their skin is light enough to pass and, you know that sounds it, it's it almost sounds innocuous at first but then if you think about it it's like why why should that be an issue yeah. You know, like like that. It's sad that that they have to think about how dark they are, and whether and in regards to how they're going to be treated, and it's 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 you know, and then that's definitely the sign of the times now, and it's a us versus them situation, mm-hmm. and really sad, and hopefully can change very soon, in a few months yeah, for sure. I, please vote, everybody, <laughs> please. <laughs> so yeah so kind of wrapping up on american dream did you guys have any final thoughts on the on the comic well um now i it, definitely the art uh the 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 writing everything is 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 wonderful and it's definitely a, a must read i re- i'll recommend to everybody especially those who love who love road trips and who love seeing seeing the the world both the 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 the, the beautiful parts and the, the gross parts and but um now i got the book um i had ordered the book originally uh through mail but unfortunately by the time we were gonna do this do this uh this recording it wasn't gonna arrive in time so i ended up um getting the kindle version of the book and um one just a fair warning to to anyone who wants to pick up the digital version of it um the two the two page spreads are divided in in half and so in and for for any hardcore comic book readers it's the two page spreads are usually real good testament to to the art in the in the book so that was kind of lessened for me by reading it digitally i i definitely recommend getting a physical copy of it and darcy joni any closing thoughts or uh yeah um i obviously like the comic a whole lot that's why i recommended it (laughs) um i'm very white born and raised american so i don't have that whole american immigrant experience but i did as an adult moved to Thailand for a decade. And as Americans, we like to call those people expats, but essentially you're an immigrant. And we have a very different attitude towards people like that. And as Americans, when we go to other countries, we have a different attitude towards 
being immigrants in other countries than we have towards immigrants in our own country. And so I just find the book very interesting on that whole level of talking about immigrant experiences, the way we view immigration within our own country, the way we love our own country and our own country's history and our own country's kitschiness and culture. And I think it's a very, very valuable look at our own interesting parts and our dark parts. And at the same time, it's an incredibly beautiful book just to look at, just the art's incredibly beautiful. So it's valuable as a comic. It's valuable as a story, as a memoir, as a road trip story. But just if you're a person who likes to read comics, it's just a beautiful book on its own. So also read it for that reason. Right. I think, uh, man, it's going to be so cheesy, but I'll go for it. That whole, the, the sequence of the breakfast burrito and all the ingredients, uh, <laughs> kind of what you just mentioned, like it's yeah, graphic memoir. Um, road trip story just a good um good like I love the white space in the book and just it's a it's a very warm inviting read um mm. just the way the way the art's laid out um and there are some more complex images especially when when they're when they're packing um but yeah, yeah um definitely check it out and honestly this is a book like I would probably give to someone who you know they're like Ooh, comics oh this is this is this is one I would I would put on on that list to to give them. I mean, mm -hmm. I, I feel like most like most people can connect to this and and these are, yeah. these are and, and just going forward, I think these are the kind of kind of comics we're gonna like look at. And, right. Um, exactly. So this is kind of representative. I mean, yeah. So we're gonna have one last very quick segment, um, the looking forward. So one indie release we're looking forward to in the upcoming weeks. Just really quick. This is like a rapid round. Brian, what's yours? Uh, next week, um, Kanto and Clockwork Fairies one shot. Um, it is it is a continuation of a mini series from last year uh, called Kanto, which is a basically a, a, um, a fairy tale. Very, it gives a lot of Muppet vibes, a lot, a lot of dark crystal vibes to it um, about finding lost hearts and in enslavement, essentially. Definitely, and so this one shot that's coming out next week, uh, the Clockwork Fairies, is a uh, is a continuation of that story, which will then later continue it later in the year. Awesome, um, Darcy, what's yours? I'm going to go off script automatically and first time. Um, like <laughs> I said before, I am not a week to week reader, a month to month reader, uh, and I like to. I'm a huge budget conscious person, uh, so I'm going to do a 101 on a kind of affordability uh, website, which is graphite.com or graphitecomics.com rather. It's a website and it's an app that you can download. Uh, it allows you to read lots of independent comics. You can read, unfortunately, <laughs> Dynamite there. You can read Boom, Boombox. You can read Dark Horse. They've got IDW comics on there. There are tons of really popular comics. Old Witchblade, New Witchblade, The Darkness. There's Lumberjane comics. There's Goldie Vance comics. Transformers More Than Meets the Eye, but they also have webtoons. They have this ability to upload uh, 
people's own web comics. So there's lots of like really fantastically basic new people doing their own stuff comics with like, I mean, they're kind of terrible, but at the same time, you know, it's like people doing their own thing, yeah, which is fabulous. There's lots of terrible Christian comics. <laughs> there's, there, there's lots of really awful, 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 awful old comics, but there's also lots of really wonderful golden age comics, which are fabulous and I adore so much. There's so much to love on this website and it is free. Uh, so if you're having problems accessing comics because comics are very expensive, uh, there are alternative options out there to um, stealing. A lot of people like to mm -hmm. steal comics and stealing is wrong. <laughs> yes. So uh, this is advertising supported. So it's kind of like the Tubi. If you uh, don't Netflix because Netflix is subscription and expensive for some people. Uh, Tubi and Pluto are free video platforms. Well, this is kind of the Tubi of comics. You have to you have to go through advertisements and advertisements kind of suck, but advertisements means it's free. Money. And that's kind of great. So if you're looking for some independent comics to read, this is a way to do that. And I think it's kind of wonderful. Uh, this last week I've been reading uh, Mercy Laga the She-Bat from the 90s, <laughs> which has been uh, quite fabulous. I've also been reading... Uh, Green Hornet, because I'm going to do a blog on it. Nice. Cool. Yeah. Very cool. And mine, uh, it, this book actually came out last week, but it took a week to ship from bookshop.org. Is I'm just going to th throw it up on the screen. No one can see that. Um, Beautiful. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, Jack, it's the book's called uh, Jack Kirby, The Epic Life of the King of Comics by Tom Scioli. He, Tom Scioli is a, is a cartoonist who his entire style and body work has really been influenced by Kirby. Mm -hmm. um, he, he's done books like, um, I think, Transformers vs. G.I. Joe, mm -hmm. Fantastic Four Grand Design, and I think his first one, um, his first series was Godland, and you can just see the influence in his work, so I think he was a perfect choice to do a book about him. And also, um, lots of comics fans know, like, Stan Lee was a total asshole, whatever, <laughs> but it'll be nice to see kind of See that. See if this book reaches a wider audience. Because right. I mean, when I'm talking to like you know, people are like, "He's such a great man." I'm like, "Well, maybe he wasn't." And I can just you know show them a few instead of like going through some big monologue or telling them to read some really long the comics journal interview. I can show them a few panels from this book. And yeah, and I'm really excited to dig into it. So yeah, it's um, very excited. Just just point them towards Funky Flashman and uh, <laughs> and House Roy, House Roy, yeah, House Roy, yeah. exactly. Um, but oh, um, oh, that's awesome. I definitely need to pick that up as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I, everyone needs to have the words Kirby Crackle in their uh, lexicon. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, and it's and I like I flipped through it. I've seen pre actually. It started out as a web comic a, a few years back and. I'm glad, you know, he got it picked up by a publisher, got a, probably got a decent check from it. Um, and uh, yeah, and it's like done, like it's very, it's not like, I'm not a big biopic guy, but it's done in a very stylized way. And like Kirby's kind of like, he, 
he honestly looks a lot like fucking like Astro Boy or something. <laughs> this is like this imagine this character of imagination in this like kind of realistic, um, like all the different eras he, you know he lived through. So That's I'm excited. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna wrap up this episode and we're just gonna do plugs for websites, social media handles. Um, Brian, where can people find you online? Uh, well, um, I am available via Instagram. And my phone died a couple minutes ago, so I don't. Um, and I, of course, I don't have my my notes here. And if we'll put it in the show notes, I have an Instagram and a Twitter that um, that I post random panels and comic book stuff on. So cool. If you like yeah. it, if you like this, you probably will like my my uh, stuff. <laughs> and Darcy, where can we find you? I am on Twitter at books underscore serial and i have a blog uh books and serial at wordpress uh, dot com or books and serial dot wordpress dot com excuse me not everything is an at anymore <laughs> um and basically i just uh review books and radio serials tends to be classic books and classic radio serials you can choose to pick and ignore whichever one you want to pick and ignore. Uh, I haven't been doing it extremely long, but it's been a lot of fun so far. Awesome. And you can find me at Midnighter Bay, uh, B-A-E, on Twitter. And you can find my um, reviews and features about comics at graphicpolicy.com. I actually, to be honest, I mostly review independent comics. So um, a lot of stuff we talk about on the show. And I also do another podcast called Tins Redux, where I talk about um, movies and TV shows of the 2010s. Um, yeah. And that was uh, this week's Comics Deserve Better. And uh, yeah. and don't forget to find us. Yes. Our, should probably tag the group at uh, CBD Pod. I'm sorry. No, that's Pot. Excuse me. CDB Pod. <laughs> for our Twitter account. And Brian, do you know yes. what our website is? I do have that memorized. Um, it is uh, uh, comicsdeservebetter.wordpress.com. And we also have an email address if you want to send us email questions, um, concerns, or anything else like that um, to um, comicsdeservebetter at gmail.com. Yep. And if you send us questions, and as long as it's not like, you know, obviously like, hate mail or either like <laughs> like like not even hate mail is okay like if it's as long as it's not like racist homophobic whatever we'll uh we'll address it on the show so yeah yeah all right and Most everybody keep keep things independent um <laughs>